0: Father, we come to you and I ask, Lord, would you open up the heavens today? Would you open up the venues and the area, the avenues, and that we would be connected to heaven. We would be connected to the kingdom of God. And the things that we do and the things that how we act and how we behave and the things that go into the deepest part of our consciousness, the subconscious, may it be examined today. And Lord, shine your light on us that we would see and that we would know. And that we would fall on our knees and say, God, Lord, you know. Because I don't know. I don't know myself, but you do know me. The strands that make up who I am, you do know. Because you fashion me in the likeness of your glory. So Lord, raise your church up at this time. And may we be the righteous instrument that God, you use to bring about your plan of salvation And Lord, I stand here knowing fully, Lord God, that I don't know what your plan is, but I do trust in you and I glorify you regardless of what happened in life, whether it is convenient or inconvenient, whether it is right in my eyes or it's just that I don't understand. I fully accept, Lord God, everything that you will do and that your will will be done here. And if it be this cup, Lord, let us, let this church, let me partake of it and become part of the sacrifice and service for your church at this time. Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 21, verse 15. Let's begin. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, yea, Lord, you know that I love thee. He said unto him, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The striking difference between what he said the first two times and the last time is this. The first two times he says, thou knowest, you know that I love you. But then the last time, look at your Bible. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things I believe that it's our inability to recognize this aspect of Peter's confession here that causes us to live in the state of apathy we think that Jesus Christ does not know all things i want to bring this to your attention because only one person knows all things that is god jesus christ is asking Peter to make a confession that Jesus Christ not only knows who Peter is, but Jesus Christ knows everything about Peter and about everyone else. The only person that we know of, knows all things, is God. And Peter's confession is Jesus Christ is the Lord God. If you look at Jeremiah 17.10, The Lord search the heart and try the reins. Now, the word Lord here means I am the I am, the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. This is the Lord God. This is the same Lord. And the Bible says, I, the Lord, search the heart and try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Only one person knows everything. That is God. And Peter is saying, is confessing that Jesus Christ is the Lord God. Jesus Christ is the Lord that is spoken here in Jeremiah. Jesus Christ is the Lord God. The significance of this confession is tremendous because it changes our whole faith. Because we don't believe in just a man. We believe in Jesus Christ who was fully man and who was fully God who is fully God. Let's turn back to Jeremiah. The verse preceding that, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I've been so foolish to think that I know my own heart. Now I'm saying this because many of you who still trust in your heart, and I think I say most of us trust in our own heart. We look at things and we say, that's the way things are because I feel it in my soul. When you look at someone, maybe you have an affection or more than affection for that person. I feel that she is the one. I know it. I know that he is my better half, however you put it. The word of God says the heart is deceitful. It is out there to deceive you. Your heart It's deceitful. If your heart can be deceitful, imagine someone else's heart. It's foolish to think that we can know the state of our wicked heart, especially an unregenerate person. We think we have the right to pass judgment and to point our fingers at other people. We think that someone is doing something wrong and it's obvious. We caught her, Lord, we caught her in the act. And they dragged her out to Jesus. Jesus left them some time to think about it, but didn't get it. They didn't get it. And then so he said, whoever among you who has no sin, cast the first stone. You see, the the heart, when you examine it, it is wicked. It's nasty. It's dark. It's filled with malice and hatred. The Lord knows, because the Lord, when I say the Lord, I mean the Lord of the Old Testament and the New Testament, who is Jesus Christ, knows the innermost state of our hearts. He understands that we are incapable of love. And so when he asked Peter, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Three times, Peter answered with this pretext, Lord, you know. If I ask you today, do you love the Lord? You go to a church gathering that is highly pumped up with energy. you stand, and I've done this, in front of the people, and I shout, do you love the Lord? You know what the response is? Yes, we love the Lord. Do you know the condition of your heart? Jesus didn't ask this question. This is the only time. Peter was the only one that Jesus asked this question. Do you love me? He asked it after Peter failed. Not before. We need to have that journey. We need to have that journey into ourselves, into the deepest part of our beings, and see how gross, how sinful, how ugly the inner part of ourselves are. And then we come to the Lord and hear him ask, do you love me? How would you answer? I want to love you. But after all these things, I don't know. Lord, you know. I don't know. Hubris or ignorant is the cause that we freely throw out these words. Lord, yes, of course I love you. Of course. No, our response should be, Lord, you know. I want to love you. That's my response. I want to love you, but you know. My question today is, was to look into the heart of Peter and the Lord's the relationship between the disciple and his master, and examine ourselves, do we have this relationship with Jesus Christ? Because in the end, that's all it is about. Jesus is resurrected. He's about to ascend to his father. And he meets his disciple who denied him whom he told that you would deny me of all the question of all the things that he could have said he asked the question what do you think is important to jesus what is the most important thing how many churches have you planted how many souls have you brought into the kingdom how many students have you taught how many awards have you given out How many songs have you sung in my name? How many concerts have you put up in the name of Jesus? What do you think is the most important thing to the Lord Jesus Christ? Servants of Christ are those who have transitioned from the state of ignorant to the state of grace or faith. When we are young, or when we're first in love, we talk to each other, I love you. No, I love you. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. Hang up. Get the last word in there. And Then when we've known each other for about three years, I care for you a lot. And then maybe after 10 years, Awkward to say, I love you. Aren't we supposed to move into an area where love is more abundant? It seems like the more we know each other, the less likely we are to say those affections for each other, just like how Jesus and Peter here I would go with you into death or prison. State of ignorance is when we think that we love the Lord, that we think that we have it all covered that we trust in our minds and our thoughts. Mark chapter 14, verse 29. But Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, when he said all here, he means the other disciples, the other 11. They can be offended of you. Yet will not I. Peter was so sure that he is committed to the Lord. He is so sure until COVID happens. Are you so sure you are committed to the Lord? And we say, will you follow Jesus to the end? I baptized I don't know how many people. If we record it, we can go back and look at the people's testimonies. Will you follow Jesus until the end? Yes, I will. Like so many marriages today, we stand at the altar and we make all kinds of confessions. Yet will not I, all of these people, may be stumble, not I. Again, in Luke chapter 22, verse 33, I want to show you how ignorant we are if we don't examine our thoughts. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. It sounded great before COVID. But now, No. Let other people go. I got some other things I need to do. I'm ready to go with thee, both in prison and in death. Jesus was captured, and the 11 disciples hightailed out of there. None remained. Peter felt a little bit remorseful about what happened, so he followed along at a distance. Peter declared his utmost commitment to Christ when all is well. The master is still with the disciples. Everything is fine. But when things get a little bit spicy, gone. The problem is he trusted his heart. He knew or he thought he knew that he really, truly committed to this man. But it was never tested. It was never tried. He never went through a period when that sincerity is tested and then it found to be, wow, well, you know what? It's just vapor, just air. He was completely unaware of how sick his heart was. And that is the dangerous state to be in. Because many of us, we see trials and difficulties come and we stay away. Because you know that it tries your heart and then found out that it's not real. Not real gold here. Because when fire comes, everything melts, and then it's gone. To examine, to prove whether you are in the faith, requires you to spend a little time with yourself and put it to the crucible and see whether or not the substance that make up who you are is real or not. You need to put it into the fire. Do you have the love that you claim to have? Or are you deceived because your heart has deceived you and you are living in a state of ignorance? Because in a state of ignorance, that's where sin feeds on ignorance. Ephesians 4.18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. When we fail to recognize the blindness of our hearts, we become an instrument of the devil. You see, Judas never thought that he did anything wrong. So he, he lived in a state of ignorance. And then when that ignorance dissipated, when he saw the truth, he took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it back into the temple. I betray innocent blood. And then went out and killed himself. King Saul thought they understood everything. He trusted in his heart. And then Samuel came and said, you fear the people more than the Lord. You fear the people more than the Lord. See, that's our problem. We fear the people more than the Lord. We fear what people say, how people respond to us more than the Lord. Ignorance separates us from the only wise God. The ignorance that's in you is there because of sin. And sin feeds on that ignorance. And what is that ignorance? The Apostle Paul says, that ignorance shadows or covers the understanding of God. To be set free from ignorance, there has to be an understanding of God. And how can you understand God if you're not listening to God, if all you hear is the devil, Satan, speaking to you? The devil's job is to tell you that he isn't there. He's called the deceiver, and that's not a label that doesn't have a significance. The devil is called the deceiver because he deceives people. And the way he deceives people is simply, I'm not here. I'm not here. Everything that happens, happens because God allows it to happen. The way you are is the way you are. That's who you are. The devil's job is to tell you that he doesn't exist. The devil's job is to tell you that he's not here. He's not speaking into your ears, just like how Eve was deceived. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. You see? The devil uses ignorance to deceive us. He's telling us that he's not here. He's telling us that everything that happens to you is chance. Things the way things should be. He's not a part of it. He's not coercing you to do things. But your ignorance, sin feeds on it, and the devil uses you as an instrument. The devil hides himself in disinformation. And unfortunately, we live in a an age of information. And not all information, well, all information, most of it, is garbage. It is harder now, even though we have so much information, to find truth is so hard now than it was before because there's so much falsehood out there. Satan is the master of deception. God does not deceive anyone. But Satan is the master at deception, and his most significant achievement so far in the history of mankind is to convince us that he's not here. Everything's fine. King David was persuaded by Satan to number the people. 70,000 people died. When the devil succeeded in convincing you that he's not staying right next to you, you know, there's a prophet, Zechariah chapter 3. He said, The Lord opens his eye, and there he saw. Standing next to Joshua was Satan resisting him. You see, we don't see the devil. And we think he's not there. But the Bible tells you otherwise. The devil is there. He's everywhere. He's next to Job. It calls Job to curse God. Did you know that, that Job blamed God for his calamities? Who did it? Who put all these things on Job? But then in the end, in Job 30, Job blamed God. He accused God of being cruel to him. Devil's intention. He wants, you, he wants to turn you against God. And to convince you, I'm not here. It's all, the, it's all God's doing to you. He's being cruel. He's being mean to you. Jesus Christ's work is to reveal Satan so that you can see him for who he is. Even though you can't see him with your eyes, but you see him with the words that Jesus Christ speak to you. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, 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 behold, Satan have desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The Lord Jesus Christ, his word is truth. And when you interact or when you stand in front of the truth, you will begin to see the lies. See, you won't, we won't see lies until we get into contact with the truth. And when we contact with the truth, we begin to see the lies. You see, this COVID reveals many things that I did not see before in my own lives and in the lives of other people. The busyness of life and the abundance of information masks many things. But when we get closer to Jesus Christ and when we see the truth, the other stuff begin to turn colors and you see the shades are not real. They're lies. And Jesus Christ revealed these invisible things that we not perceive by our eyes but by the words of Jesus Christ. And when we believe, however, did Peter believe? He's in a state of ignorance, and he needs to move from ignorance to faith to see the devil. Because right after Jesus said this, he said, I will go with you, even though none of these people will go to prison or to death. He still trusted in his own heart, where he's supposed to fall down on his knees and said, God, help me. I don't know my soul. I don't know my heart. You've got to help me. But no, he said, no, I trust in my heart. I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and in death. Same chapter. Hebrews is the cause of disgrace. Many Christians, because they reject the Lord's Word. I am astounded by how little we spend time in the Word, how little we spend time to read the Bible and to think and to dwell on what the Lord says and taught in the Bible. And if we don't, we're deceived. We think we know it all. Can you imagine me coming up here without spending time in the Word? Have I? How many of the people that you listen to speak the Word of God without interacting with Jesus Christ. Jesus says there's there's hope. Verse 32, he said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fails not. What Peter should have done, what you and I should do, is when we hear these words, we fall down to our knees and we say, God, you know my wicked heart. You know how nasty I can be. Ignorant cannot be the M.O. for us. It cannot be how Christians live their life. It's okay. I'll get to it when I get to it. We make commitments and we break them as if it doesn't matter. We shift our time around, and then when it's all said and done, we just don't have time for the Lord. But we have time for everything else. Ignorance. We must turn to Christ in repentance. Acts 17.30 And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There's a time that God allot. We are here at this time in the space now so that we can turn back to the Lord and repent. Do you have that time? Have you scheduled a time in your life where you come to the Lord to repent? Have you been neglecting God's word? Have you been neglecting prayer? Have you been neglecting a deep devotion to the Lord on a daily basis. If you have, it's time to repent because there's a time that God winked at and then that time will be no more when all we stand before the Son of Man and be judged by the things that we have done or have not done. Transition, Peter, from a state of ignorance to the state of grace. When the Lord asked him back in John 21, verse 15 to 17, he said three times, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. The pretext here, Two times. And then the third time he said, Lord, the pretext changed. And he said, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. The recognition of Christ is God who searches the heart, knows everything that's going on. It's the beginning of the transition into the state of grace. Because until the Lord stop asking you, do you love me? You still haven't got it yet. Until you truly Believe that Jesus Christ knows all things. And if I don't love him, he knows. And you know, I need to know whether or not I love him. I need to know if I love the Lord. It's not what I say. It's what God knows. If he knows that I don't love him, I need to know that. There's nothing that I can do to love him. We love him because he first loved us. But the fact that Jesus came to Peter after his denial, and they ask him, do you love me? There's, there's a glimmer of hope there. And Peter, even though he was distressed, and he said he was grieved because he said to him the third time, it gets to the core of Peter, it gets to the bottom of his soul when the Lord said to him the third time, ask the same question, Peter, do you love me? He had to say, you know everything, Lord, meaning you know if I don't love you but well, I want to tell you that I want to love you. I don't know if I can. I don't know how to. And when we acknowledge Christ's omniscience, putting a trust in him, and we are saying that, Jesus, you are the author of my faith. You are the finisher of my faith. You are the one who can tell me whether or not I love you. That's all that I care about, whether or not I love Jesus Christ. It's only by grace can we have this love? Because it's not because we muster up some kind of ability, or affection for the Lord, but it's his grace for us. Romans 5.2, he said, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Faith, where you are right now, allows you to enter, what is faith? Let me just make it simple. Faith is believing in what Jesus says. That's faith for us. There is a supernatural faith That's beyond me to explain to you. But faith simply is you believe truly in what Jesus says. And how you believe is God's grace. God's grace allows you, because I can speak this word, and I hope to none of you, they don't have the grace allowing them to believe. By faith into this grace, we stand. It is by the grace of God and not of any of our ability that we are able to stand in God's grace. We're dead in our sins, meaning there's nothing you can do. God doesn't require you to have ears. Do you know that? God doesn't need you to have ears, to have eyes, to have a mouth to confess to save you. God doesn't need it. Have you heard of a man named Lazarus? He was pretty dead, stiff. But by the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, that word spoke to this corpse and it walked out of the tomb. No need anything from our part. God doesn't need us to have anything for faith to cause us to be alive. The Lord' presence in Peter's life caused him to worry about this issue of love whether or not he loves the Lord because Peter became a weapon for Satan. Satan used Peter to witness against Christ. I don't know that man. Aren't you with him? I don't know him. When we are ignorant of the devil's devices, we become his instrument to become witnesses against the Lord. Only by grace that Christ impart to us chosen the disciples, brought them out. But we know one of them didn't make it. By the pure grace of God, that we stand or fall. And Peter, after all of this, his transition from being an instrument of the devil into the state of grace, and this is what he said in First Peter chapter five, verse eight. And I believe we should pay attention to this, but th- because this is coming from a, a place of authority, Peter has gone through this, and so when he said this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he knows. Peter knows that there is an adversary, the devil. He's there because he interacted. He was being used by the devil as an instrument of unrighteousness. And so when he spoke this, when he wrote this to the church, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But you know that there is an adversary, but you have an advocate. You have someone who's praying for you. Peter, he understood that without the prayer of Jesus Christ, without the prayer of Jesus Christ for me and for you, we won't stand. And if you don't stand in the future, you know that Jesus Christ is not praying for you. It's a scary thought. I can't control and I can't tell God what he should and he should not do. It's a frightening thing to fall into the hand of an angry God. A fearful thing. Because we don't know, only by grace, the grace of God, that he prays for Peter and he has an advocate that stands before the Father so the devil can touch him. Just like Job. God allows it for a season and then he stops in and he walks in and he said, that's it. The water comes up here and it will not go any further. When God steps in, everything stops. And we must believe that God loves us We must believe that God's care for us because that's what faith is. And the minute that we no longer have that faith because Jesus Christ no longer prays for us, we are damned. Truly, that is the meaning of that word. We are forever cut off from the life of God. We are forever in the place of torment. It is by grace and it's by Jesus' prayer continually before God that we are in the state of grace. Our response is, to humble ourselves before the Lord. Say, God, pray for me, that I won't fall into the devil's hand. He's at the right hand of the Father praying for us. But there are three things I do have. I have love, I have faith, and I have hope. And I hope that Jesus Christ is praying for everyone in this church. I can't hope. I can't expect God to do anything that I don't know whether or not he does. I can't expect God to do something because I'm not God. But I can hope that he prays for all of us. I hope that he saves all of us. I want to see you all. I want to see everyone here make it out of this earth and into eternity. I want to see you. I want to see every one of us. And that's my hope. My hope is that God saves us. And that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. That's my hope. And I'm allowed that. I am allowed to have hope. For by grace, we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's entirely up to God. And I hope that God saves all of us. There is peace in Christ's omniscience. Psalm 103, 14, the beautiful psalm: For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. There is a peace that I know that you might know things about me you on the other side of this streaming you might know things about me and you might talk about those things and share those things with each other but there's a piece i know i have god knows me worse and if i stand now in his grace it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what other people say when that woman is left there at Jesus. When everyone left, all she had was peace. Where are your accusers? Where are they now? Lord, they're gone. I'm in your presence. You know everything. There's nothing hid from you. You remember that we are dust. remember that we are nothing. You can't fix your sinful condition You can hope and you can have faith in the Lord. We can't fix our sinful condition. We can hope that God is gracious and we can trust that God is faithful to his word. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If we do, then the apostle John says, then we walk in the light as he is in the light. There's no shame. There's no guilt here. There's only forgiveness and mercy and peace. You know, history witnessed against Peter because he denied the Lord. He tried desperately to salvage his relationship with the Lord. But only when the Lord shows up, he is restored into the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he said, Peter, do you love me? That's all that matters in the end. Do you love me? In the end, when all has been stripped away and we stand like Peter facing Jesus, the question is, do you love me? How will you answer the Lord, knowing that he surged deep in your heart the secret parts? Do you dare to answer him directly? Peter didn't. You know, Lord, you know. After the trials and the temptation and the failures and the denial. Peter can't trust in his heart anymore. I think many of us can't understand that. We won't understand that. Because we believe so strongly in our ability to be committed to the Lord. But you know what? There's a valley of shadow in front of of us. And when you walk down that valley, you will see how dark and how wicked our hearts are. And we need to be in the place that Peter is. And when he stands before the Lord and he asks, do you love me? His response is, Lord, you know. You know. I must believe that the Lord searches my heart and know whether or not I love him. I can no longer trust my own heart, for it has deceived me many times in the past. I must believe that Christ looks on me not with condemnation, but with grace and with love. Lord, you know. You know my heart. You know how wicked it is. Only well, you can change it. And then I may hope that I love you. And from the state of grace, Peter transitioned to the state of sacrifice. Let's turn with me to the last. Before that, let's go to Jeremiah 3.15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now the job of a, fa- a pastor is to shepherd the sheep. Jesus responds to Peter after every inquiry that he has. He responds two times. The first time, feed my lambs. The second two times, he said, feed my sheep. Jesus' desire is to raise up disciples just like him. And Jesus is called the good shepherd. And so his disciples will be shepherds. They will be shepherds. And Here's the heart of God. As Jeremiah said, I will give you pastors, meaning shepherds, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is the heart of God. Not with grass, with water, but with knowledge and understanding. My desire for this church is so that we would be knowledgeable of the things of God. We will be knowledgeable of God, who He is and what He does. We will be knowledgeable because that is the eternal life, is to know God and his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. That is eternal life. There is a price that we will pay when we follow the Lord, when we become his shepherd. There is the price that we must pay when we teach in Jesus' name. Let me read to you what happens when Peter transitioned into the state of sacrifice. Let me read to you in Acts chapter 5, just a few verses. They were caught preaching the gospel. I wonder, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm in a bind being here in this church at this time. But this passage lifts me up and confirms that I'm walking in the same lineage as the apostles. So the religious leader put Peter and the disciples in prison, and this is what he said, "Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? What is so scary about teaching in Jesus Christ's name? that they would know God? That would be a travesty to the devil, that they would know God. Did we not straightly command you? That you should not teach in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. What well, was so scary? I can talk to you about anything, and I think it will be fine. But when the church began to teach and to preach Christ's doctrine, we're in trouble. Same today as it was in the beginning. And intend to bring this man blood on us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men." There's a clear distinction here. Shall I listen to you or shall I listen to God, Peter said. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. And when they had called the apostle and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. Anything but preaching Jesus Christ. The disciples were willing to pay a high price to feed the flock of Jesus Christ. They have come to know the state of their wicked heart, and they're willing to make that offering. Yet if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Why would anyone willingly give so much for someone else, even for their enemies? You know what the answer is? Why we do crazy things? Why do we do things that in our normal state we would not do? It's love that makes us do crazy things. You see, that's, that's the motivation that driven the church from the first century until I'm dead and beyond. It's love. And that's why Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Because without love, we we're so scared. We we're so self-centered and egoistic that we won't be able to do anything for anyone. The motivation is love. It's always been love and love for Christ. We love him because he first loved us. Nothing makes sense until you have love. Nothing makes sense until you have the love of Jesus Christ. Feed my lambs, Jesus said to Peter. And two more times he said, feed my sheep. Christ came to seek and save those who are lost. And he raised up pastors and leaders today with the love for him that continues in his footsteps. He was crucified because he loved much. He was beaten because he loved much. And all who followed in his footsteps endured the same thing because of love. In the end, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not ruled in fear. It's not ruled in laws and governed in some kind of authoritarian regime. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will be governed by love. And those who are in this kingdom will have love for Jesus Christ. That's what he's looking for. And that's why he asked Peter, do you love me? And that's why we need to ask ourselves, do we love Jesus Christ? Colossians 2.2. And their hearts might be comforted, knit together in love, unto all riches of full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father. Love speaks clearest when it gives itself unselfishly. And the kingdom of Christ is made up of not only people, who have experienced love but have tasted the bitterness that the cup of Jesus Christ has tasted. Despite that, they still love. Lord, I come to you today asking, would you open up the heavens and allow your spirit to work in us? I told Peter that when he was young, he goes wherever he wants to. But when he grows old, in the time of maturity, that he will go to places where he doesn't want to go. Lord, give us, allow us to enter into a place that we might mature and willing to sacrifice and do the hard things that requires more than what we are comfortable of doing. In the coming weeks and months ahead, Lord, I know it is difficult for this church and for many churches as we grapple with what to do and how to have even a place of worship. I know, Lord, in the days to come, the hearts of people will grow cold. And we like to hold on to the praises of men than to stand for the truth. We want to be like We want to see those hearts and those thumbs up. But Lord, I ask, would you ask the question to each of us privately when we examine ourselves to see whether or not there is love in us, there is love for Christ in us. And Father, I pray, Lord, and I do hope, Lord Jesus Christ, you stand at the right hand of the Father. Pray for every person in this congregation that their faith will not fail, and that the time of testing and trials will come, but they will emerge out of all this stronger, more fervent, and full of love and of hope, and that they would, Lord, in demonstration of this grace to love, they would lay down their lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.